The London Eye Mystery, Chapter 13 The Eye of the Hurricane Cat called out to us from the kitchen that we were wanted back in the living room. When we got there, Aunt Gloria had finished her brandy and was staring at the bottom of the glass, and her lips were turned down, which meant that she was sad, and her eyebrows were hunched together, which meant that she was also cross. Inspector Pierce rose to her feet and promised to let us know if there was any news. Then she said there was one last thing. Did Aunt Gloria have a photograph of Salim? Aunt Gloria took a credit card holder out of her handbag. I've only got this, she said. It's a bit old. The rest are in the photo albums. They're on their way to New York by sea freight. She handed the picture over. Your son is 13, you say? Aunt Gloria nodded. 14 in July. How old is he in this? Eight, said Aunt Gloria. The inspector said the police would need something more up to date. Aunt Gloria said, you can get something from his father when you contact him. I remembered Salim's father only barely. He was an Indian man called Rashid, and he worked as a doctor. Aunt Gloria and he had divorced years ago. Shouldn't you call Rashid, Glow? Mum said. You never know. Salim might have gone there. It's possible. Aunt Gloria shook her head. Salim would never do that. Besides, Rashid and I are not on speaking terms. Salim goes there every other weekend, and that's it. Inspector Pierce examined a knuckle on her hand as if there was something wrong with it, but I could see no cuts or bruises. And what did he think, your former husband, she said, about Salim and you going to New York? Aunt Gloria didn't reply. He must have said something about it. Not a lot. I said he could have Salim for two weeks at Christmas and in the summer. That seemed fine by him. There was another silence. Who knows, Aunt Gloria added. Maybe he does have something to do with this. That's what you're driving at, isn't it? Inspector Pierce tucked the snapshot into her pocket and didn't answer Aunt Gloria's question. This and your description will do for now. She stood up. This is my card with my direct phone number. I'll leave it here on the mantelpiece. If Salim comes home or gets in touch or if you have any further thoughts, call me. Aunt Gloria shrugged and said nothing, but Dad said we would. Then he showed her and the other policemen to the front door, and they left. I watched from the window as they got into a white and blue police car and drove away. Mum asked Kat to help her prepare some sandwiches. Aunt Gloria had another brandy. Dad came back and opened a bottle of wine. That made it just late Christmas evening, except it was getting late and it was still light outside and nobody was telling jokes or acting jolly. Do you mind if I smoke? said Aunt Gloria. Nobody answered. She took the silence as permission and lit up a cigarette and sat puffing in silence, even after Cap put a plate with cheese and lettuce sandwiches on her lap. She stared into space, inhaling and exhaling. Apart from her arm traveling with the cigarette holder up to her lips on average every 12 seconds, she was still. It was a strange silence. I realized that ever since Aunt Gloria had arrived in our house, she'd hardly stopped talking or moving. Well, said Mum after everybody had munched what they could of their sandwiches. Me two, Dad two, Mum one, Cat a half, Aunt Gloria none. 
Well, said Dad, I almost expected him to say another fine mess again, but he didn't. How was work today, Ben? Mum said. It was a question she asked him every day. Work? said Dad. He shrugged. Okay. The barracks is empty now and all locked up. The concrete crusher's going on Thursday. I've got a new job on now, down Peckham Way. Peckham Way? said Mum. She didn't look that interested. Her eyes stared off into space. Peckham Rye. There was another long silence. Cat kept winding a strand of hair around her little finger and then unwinding it. I wanted to ask her what she was trying to achieve, but she saw me looking at her and scrunched up her face, so instead I said, About Salim. Everyone stared. I've got some interesting theories which might... Hush, love, Mum said. This isn't time for one of your theories. A deep silence fell on the living room after that. I heard the whir of the central heating. A kitchen tap dripped. Dad jangled some change in his pocket. I wondered what the silence was in weather terms. It was hardly the calm after the storm. Maybe it was a calm in the center of a storm. The eye of the hurricane. I imagined a whirlwind, dark and swift, and in the middle of it, a gentle oval-shaped stillness, shaped like a bicycle wheel seen from an angle. The London Eye. Mum shuffled her feet. The central heating stopped whirring. Mum said it was time to go to bed. It's only nine o'clock, Cat protested. Anyway, I'm here on the couch, remember? That's enough, Cat. Mum got up and walked over to the window and looked out. She drew the curtains. This once, you can sleep in Ted's room, on the lilo where Salim... She didn't finish her sentence, but we all did in our heads. Where Salim slept last night. Aunt Gloria gave a low moan and leaned over her drink as if she felt ill. We were all thinking the same thought. Where in this big, dark, dangerous city was Salim going to sleep tonight? The London Eye Mystery, Chapter 14 Eight Theories I lay on my bed that night, trying to ignore the shuffling coming from less than a meter away. I could smell shampoo and hear breathing that reminded me of a restless panther. It was Cat on the lilo where Salim had been the night before. The city noises came through the open window. Lorries pounded down the main road. Aircraft droned overhead. I imagined a great anvil-shaped cloud forming over southeast London and hot air rising in convection currents. There was an instability in the upper atmosphere. I often don't sleep at night. My brain is filled with all the strange facts about the world. I switch on my reading lamp and listen to the shipping forecast on the radio on low volume. I get out my weather books. I study the charts of isobars and isotherms. I examine photographs of what the weather leaves behind. Dried up lakes, wrecked shanty towns, mudslides, people rowing boats around the roofs of their houses. And I plan how when I grow up, I will help people prepare for the disasters and save their lives and their money and advise governments on how to manage the weather. But tonight, I couldn't switch on the light because of cat. I think the molecules in my brain went haywire because all I could think of were dodos chasing Lord Lucan, 
who was sailing away in the Mary Celeste towards an evening sky with a giant bicycle wheel for a moon. I saw Salim waving from the deck, just as he'd waved that last time before boarding his pod. I heard Aunt Gloria's voice saying it was me that had suggested going to the London Eye when it hadn't been. I saw Mum's hand flicking me away like a fly. Ted. Cat was awake. Ted. Hmm, what? Are you awake? Yes. So am I. She sat upright and I saw her arm reach over for the bedside light. She switched it on and we blinked at each other. It's no good. We've got to talk about it. She sat with her hands clasped around her knees and her head on her kneecaps. Her strands of brown hair flopped untidily over her shoulders. Hmm, I said. Harm yourself, she said. It took me a moment to realize she was imitating me. She smiled. Maybe if I sound like you, I'll think like you, Ted. I don't think thinking like me is any better than thinking like you, I said. We listened to my alarm clock ticking. Ted, what strikes you as the oddest thing about Salim's disappearance? The fact that he disappeared from a sealed pod, I said. Cat nodded. He went up the eye and didn't come down. Definitely odd, I said. And nobody else, not the police, not mom or dad, not Auntie Glow, seems to realize how odd. They all ignore what we keep telling them and make out how we just weren't paying attention and missed him somehow. But that's not possible, is it? Possible yes, probable no, I said. We saw two capsules empty out before his came down and several after. I timed how long he was up with my watch. There is only a small margin of error possible. So what happened? Where did he get to? I have eight different theories, I said. Cat was impressed. Eight different theories? Eight. One of them must be correct, unless there's one or more theories I'm missing. What if I write them down? Cat grabbed a piece of paper from my desk, and I dictated to her the following list. This is what Cat wrote, with her own comment after each theory, saying how likely she thought it. 1. Salim hid in the pod, under the seat maybe, and went round three or more times, getting out when we'd given up looking. Just possible. Worth checking out. 2. Ted's watch went wrong. Salim got out of his pod when we weren't there to meet him. Unlikely. Just check Ted's watch. 11.43 p.m. His alarm clock says same. It's keeping perfect time. Ted says he checked it five times against Big Ben while we were out today. Number three. Salim got out of his pod, but we missed him somehow by accident, and he didn't see us either. What parents police think? But we think only a 2% chance. We both kept a lookout on everybody that came out, and there were never many people at once. Salim would have had to miss us, too, unless... Number four, Salim either deliberately avoided us or was suffering from amnesia, memory loss. This theory means he must have either wanted to run away or was perhaps knocked on the head and somehow forgot about us. But we were standing there looking at everybody as they came off, and we still don't know how we'd have missed him even if he didn't want us to see him or forgot what we looked like. So really as unlikely as number three. Number five, Salim spontaneously combusted. 
I've never heard of this, but Ted seems to think people sometimes vanish into a puff of smoke. He says it's rare, but a documented phenomenon, and works like local thunderstorms. Hmm. Not likely. Hardly counts. Number six. Salim emerged from the pod in disguise. Possible, but going by the other people who got out of the pod, the Japanese tourists, women, tiny children, etc., highly improbable. The person who looked most like Salim was the boyfriend of the girl in the pink jacket, but he was plumper with a much fuller face. Definitely not Salim. Anyway, how would he have changed clothes without anybody in the tiny pod noticing? Number seven. Salim went into a time warp. He could be stranded in another time or even a parallel universe. Probability factor zero, as with theory five. Number eight. Salim emerged from the pod hiding beneath somebody else's clothes. When we got to this last theory, Kat looked at me over the top of her pen. She didn't even bother writing down her comment. You remember how Laurel and Hardy almost get out of the Foreign Legion camp in The Flying Deuces, I said. It's the film we watch with Dad every Christmas. Ollie, the fat one, is heartbroken because the girl he loves doesn't love him, and he wants to forget her, and a man tells him that if he joins the Foreign Legion, he will forget her. So he joins the Foreign Legion, and Stan, the thin one, joins too. But the Foreign Legion is not very nice. They have to wash an endless mountain of clothes, which would take the rest of their lives to do, so they decide to escape. Don't you remember? I said. They hide in the robes of these Arab men as they're walking towards the gates. I remember, Kat said, and that's the daftest of the lot. But you remember those African women, I said. They had long flowing robes, and there was the big man in the long raincoat, Okay, okay. She rolled her eyes so that I could only see the whites. And then she wrote down after theory eight. Can Ted hide in my clothes without mum noticing? I don't think so, but we can try. Kat looked over the list. They're not very promising. Are you sure there aren't any better theories? Otherwise, we're just going to have to accept that the police and all are right. I thought hard. Then I had what people call an inspiration. An inspiration is an idea that seems to come from nowhere. In the olden days, people thought inspiration came from the gods, or God, depending on if you were a polytheist or a monotheist, breathing an idea into your brain. There is a ninth theory, I said, my hand flapping. Not something weird like aliens beaming Selim up to their spaceship or him slipping between dimensions or... No, not weird, I said. In fact, I think it's the best theory of all. But before I could say what it was, the phone rang.